One of my most beloved sponsors has got to be Audible. I had an Audible account long before I thought about ever getting into podcasting. And Audible has an awesome gift for all of my listeners. And if you head over to audibletrial.com forward slash jryan, you're going to get a free audiobook on them and me. All you have to do is sign up for a free trial. And if you decide that Audible's not for you, and within 30 days, you can cancel. No harm, no file, you spend no money, and you get to keep that free audiobook. Audible has hundreds of thousands of books in their catalog read by world-renowned narrators. From New York Times bestsellers to the classics, they're all on Audible. So again, head on over to audibletrial.com forward slash jryan and pick up your free audiobook today. I bet you didn't know we had a merch store. That's right, we actually have merch. If you head on over to the description, the notes of this episode, there'll be a link there to the merch store, and you can head on over to the Mediocre Horseman store. From there, we have socks, we have hoodies, we have tanks, we have tees, and there's new designs coming out all the time. And the special this month is the Feral Appalachia shirt. 100% of the proceeds of that shirt are going to help feral horses in Appalachia. And 50% of everything else that's sold in the store are, is also going to go help feral horses in Appalachia through Feral Aaron as part of the Appalachia Legacy Initiative. So click the link in the description, head on over there, get something, help out some amazing horses, some amazing people, and uh, help me feed my horses for crying out loud. You are listening to Behind the Horse's Eyes on the Illiterate Podcast Network. And welcome back to another episode of Behind the Horse's Eyes. I am always your humble host, Mr. J. Ryan Chastain. Joining me today, literally two of my favorite people on the planet. Um, hold on to your car seats, kids, because this one could get a little rowdy. Because me and the rare buckaroo, Mr. Uh, Mr. Oh, I am so sorry. <laughs> this is uh, Sarah Waddell. And Jessamine Rice are joined me. Jessamine's kind of refereeing because this one's going to get out I'm of gonna hand. I'm going to try to keep the bees. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to see how that works. But how are you guys doing? Doing pretty good. I'm we're ready. Doing all, <laughs> doing all right. It's been a long day of horsing yeah. today. So, so, Jess, if you don't know, um, I got a comment today from, from Sarah. And it was just on a video and it says, podcast immediately about this. <laughs> that's awesome and, and, and you know i'm used to sarah being pretty matter of fact and to the point with me i was like she's upset oh <laughs> uh, and i'm gonna explain exactly why her and i are both upset it seems like right now there is just a rash and i would love to just say it's misconception but it's just outright lie um when it comes to mustangs and management right now and i mean all three of us are witnesses to it 
And I'm I'm just to the point it gives me a headache. One post I think literally gave me a, a you know a disease that I can't get rid of just by reading it. <laughs> uh, I can't tell I, you how much I laughed at that when you said that. I thought it was satire. Like it was so bad. I've I've got it here. I can pull it up on my phone. And I want to read it. I want to read it for my listening audience. And um I literally thought this was satire. And Sarah, as I read it off, will you break this down for me? Since you are a Wrangler, you work with Mustangs every day. Jessamine, um, you are not horse illiterate. In fact, you're way more horse literate than I am. And um, I, I want you to chime in on this, too. And it's probably going to be giggles from you guys. Um, but I want to read this thing off. Oh, I got to get through my teenage dirtbag um, pictures from something that's in my draft. So hang tight. Um, oh no, let me see. Let me see. Y'all say something so I don't have dead air here. You pull it up. Um, I can pull it up. I'll just pull it up from uh, from my social media. We'll just do it that way. Hang in, say. kids. Hang on, kids. Don't go nowhere. Daddy's the looking. Second, the second I saw this post on your Facebook page, or actually, it wasn't even on your Facebook page, it just showed me that you commented on it. I was like, ooh. Things are about to get real ugly in the horse community in general, because what people have to understand is it's not like, like, it's just so much misinformation about horses in general and like not specific. I mean, it's specifically about Mustangs, but like, it's such bad information about horses in general, like oh, oh, yeah. about what they do and who they are. Well, like, I'm, I'm like this. It's one thing to spread misinformation. It's another thing to just outright lie. And you don't, I'll be honest with you, if you have a cause and you have to lie to get people behind your cause, then you don't have much of a cause. Agreed. I mean, so I'm going to read this off. Sarah, I'm going to, I'm going to read the first part. And I'm going to stop and I want you to break it down. Okay. Are you ready? I, yeah. You're chomping at the bit. Like literally, she's like, you know, you ever you ever seen a young horse brace against the bit? That's what Sarah's doing right now. All right. Uh it starts off. It's the Tennessee Wild Horse Freedom Rally. Um at the Tennessee State Capitol. I'm gonna go ahead and tell you where this is at, too, folks. Six hundred Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, Nashville, Tennessee. Nashville should be the first kicker. And it's usually like it's, it's always like Nashville or Austin. No, no offense to anybody who lives in those areas, but if you're a horseman, you live in those areas, you know what's going up. So nationwide call to action to rally an ind- ooh, excuse me, to rally by individual local activists to educate the general public about the Bureau of Land Management's plans to brutally round up over 20,000 of our wild horses and incarcerate them in overcrowded, filthy feedlots for the rest of their lives, 30 plus years. My, my first problem with that is when they say educate the public. Yeah. Because it's a lie to the public. Literally, the only reason why they say educate the public is so that somebody continues reading the post and thinking that they're actually going to learn something. Yeah. In other words, um, go ahead and replace educate with indoctrinate. Yes. Um, exactly. Yeah. And then uh, for 30 years. Show me a 30-year-old Mustang, please. I mean, I'm sure there's a handful out there, but on average, even even after adopted, trying to get one to yeah. live to 30 is hard. Yeah, even, you know, domesticated horses that, you know, have 
selected breeding. Yeah. For, Let alone something that spent the first five years of its life practically starving to death. Yeah. Um, all right. Then it goes on to say wild horses. <laughs> I hate that. Anyway, wild horses have been scientifically proven to be a native keystone species. I can't say it with a straight face. <laughs> wild horses have been scientifically proven to be a native keystone species vital to the health of our vast public lands. Sarah, have at it. The thing I got to say about that, you know, I actually got some pictures in my phone of literal fence lines of this side is the South Steens HMA and this side is gathered is a cattle allotment. And you could see down the fence line, guess which side is complete barren. And the only thing that is on that side is sagebrush. Ooh, as a as a guy that's got four horses on seven acres, can I can I chime in? Can I chime in? Yes. <laughs> it's, a, it's a friggin' dirt lot, and it's the horses. Yes. And that absolutely drives me insane. There, like it is proven that they benefit the land. That is not true. If you took, if you drove ten miles into an HMA, you could sit there and look at the ground, and you could say that this is going to take ten years for this ground to recuperate on its own well and not to mention some people do a lot of harm by taking and throwing out some square bells to these horses and the reason they do that is because now those horses are now spreading invasive non-native species of grass yep on our range our protected range yeah i mean it's like it's so funny. We were, uh, my friend Lauren and I, we went on a two week trip out in Virginia and you could see like, I mean, they have the big open rolling hills out there and you can see like side by side, two fields, one that has cattle on it and one that has horses on it. And it is the one that has horses on it looks terrible. Like, I mean, they, and they have plenty of grass for what they have. And then the one that have cattle on it is like the most beautiful grazed field you've ever seen it looks like they've probably bush hogged it every day yeah and and as a as a guy who grew up with cows and as a guy who's got cows now where my cows are there's still three and four inch grass after they've gone through that area because right. if they can't grab it with their tongue and pull the top off of it they can't eat it they don't have top teeth right so well, they go on which is the same thing the animals that used to be on these open range are bison. How they treated rains, they spread native grasses and they didn't bite it down to the ground. And that brings me to the other part of this. I want to read is these horses are being removed and replaced with privately owned for-profit cattle and sheep that are destroying the fragile ecosystems and environment of our public lands and must stop. Now, Sarah, go. Oh, I have a lot to say about that because everybody like I'm all ears. Everybody, when you sit there and say a rancher has a cattle allotment, everybody thinks, you know, this million dollar Yellowstone ranch that doesn't need the allotment because they have, you know, a 200,000 acre ranch or whatever. Mm -hmm. They don't need the cattle allotment. They have the land themselves. They're like. You know, 
why did they need to use public land? You know, they're billionaires. They make all this money. And I'm like, the average rancher is, you know, they do not, they have a high net worth because of their cattle, but they are not rich people. No, they rely they on public lands. Yeah. Well, you know, I always say that and people always talk about farmers. Well, farmers must be rich because he's got a hundred thousand dollar combine and he's got yeah. A eighty thousand dollar truck, and he's got trailers and tractors. No, 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 no. Those are just assets that were accumulated yeah, over years and generations. Yeah, if they don't get their elk tag that year, they're freaking out about you know. Okay, well, what are we gonna eat this winter? Yeah, you know, you know or I mean, it 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 is it's nuts, and it and it brings me to a point that I want to I want to talk about, um, and that is. We used to have a species that took really good care of our range. And us as humans did a very horrible thing to that species. And that was the bison. And it roamed in the majority of places where HMAs are. The bison are no longer there. They've been replaced by, well, feral horses. Right. And, but not in the numbers that, that bison were. And where feral horses go... They eat the grass to the root. They destroy the water sources. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is nuts. And if anything, cows grazing on range simulates what the bison were doing. They were spreading seed. You know, they, they were not destroying water sources. That them climbing up a knoll were not tearing the grass out of the ground like a horse's hoof does. And before anybody thinks... We're just Mustang haters. I, I'm a guy with a BLM brand on his ribs. And Sarah has devoted her entire life to Mustangs. Jess, I don't know what your relationship with Mustangs is. <laughs> I appreciate them, and I can appreciate the people who help manage them to keep us having areas that aren't absolutely trashed. No, and, you know, that for you know for that that's about that's about it for for that one and there was another one and if i can unlock my phone um i want <clears throat> i want to read too i don't know if I, I posted this one sarah and i don't know if you saw it um i gotta get through all my um uh taxation is extortion posts <laughs> um the photographer Oh, I saw that one. I ended up commenting on, I went to the original post and I commented on that one. It made me nauseous. Oh, God. Yeah. What are you talking about? So, so some photographer took a picture and it's, um, it's of a, um, kind of a rony looking, um, BLM horse. Um, good looking horse, by the way. Yeah. Damn, damn good looking horse built nice. And I want to add, uh, if you noticed, compared to what she said in the post, mm-hmm. she only took a picture of that horse's neck and head. She didn't take a full body picture to show that horse's actual body condition. And, and notice they did not take a picture of any of the background that yeah. they're describing. Dirty water yeah. troughs and, and nasty. There's things left things. out on purpose. Yeah. They just took a picture of the horse's, it, literally of the upper shoulder head um and i'll be honest with you if i saw this horse in the pen i'd probably go after this guy 
uh, just by the looks of him, both ears forward, looks like making eye contact with something. So at least the brain, the gears are turning in there. They might yeah. not be going the same direction. They could be grinding against each other, but you know, they're the, uh, yeah, it, it happens. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, the, so like this is, and, and they, they, uh, I love it. First of all, whoever this photographer is should take up, um, writing fiction um because they're a hell of a writer they, they really set the mood um if this was a, a fictional scene in a movie yes um you know almost I, fooled me for a second yeah <laughs> i crouched low to the ground to take a photo of number 2204 a stallion that once wild and free Oh my gosh. I got nauseous right there. Using that angle, I was able to eliminate the rusted out fencing, the dirty water basin. Oh crap. Hold on. Dirty water basin, the empty hay racks, and the piles of manure, and the backsides of the other captured wild Mustangs crammed together in the heat of the sun at the BLM holding facility in Nevada. Well, was that dramatic I enough? Because I'm as pretty some, sure that was the tone they wanted it. As I'm someone who does equine photography as a hobby, um, I will tell you that if that is what she wanted to portray in her picture, then she probably would have actually taken a picture with all of those things in the background. No, so they add. So here's how they add. Here's how they see. You got to be like old Ryan and say I'm a simpleton. So I read between the lines of everything and break everything down into simple terms. So. Here's what, how they follow that first part up. By crouching low, I could frame this stallion's beautiful face against the mountains at once, defined his freedom, and shaped his spirit. By crouching low, I made number 2204 wild and free again. I cannot tell you how hard I laughed. <laughs> I was at work in a Zoom meeting with, you know, and I laughed. And I'm just like, I cannot, like, really? Come on. Come on. Really? She should write for Disney movies. I could tell her that, you know. Oh, I know. I know. So, there are currently over 60,000 wild Mustangs and burrows in government holding facilities. Privately owned cattle and sheep outnumber wild Mustangs 30 to 1 on public lands. Massive agribusiness has led to the destruction of rangeland, pollution of water sources, and devastation of wildlife habitat. Well, Mustangs aren't wildlife. Yeah. Well, you know how I commented on that post when you shared it? I said, well, duh, you know, that cattle and, you know, livestock outnumber mustangs on range 31 yeah. because livestock allotments are 155 million acres whereas mustangs run on 29 million acres so yeah, that is pretty obvious i ended up commenting that on that post and with posts like that i always say like i open with i used to be anti-gather yeah just so people will actually read my comment otherwise they see the first my initial opening and then they're like well screw this lady and then just start arguing right off the bat i've noticed that i've had a lot less arguments 
Um, when I started out with, I used to be anti-gather. But I commented on there saying, you know, well, yeah, it's fairly obvious that Mustangs, you know, are outnumbered by livestock because, you know, livestock run on 155 million acres versus Mustangs running on 29 million acres. And those and aren't, those aren't you acres. Also run, you can also run a lot more livestock per acre than you can feral horses per acre. Yes. yes. Oh, and not only that, but let's go ahead and, and Sarah, correct me if I'm wrong. The HMAs are not selected by the BLM. Those are just the areas the horses choose to run. Yeah. The I'm, only, well, there's probably more HMAs out there, but there is one HMA in Oregon that was placed there by the BLM, and that is the Riddle Mountain and Kyder Mustang HMA. That HMA was created by the BLM, and they turned horses out there. Can I just throw this out there? I'm not a huge fan of Kyger's. Neither am I. They are but my. You cannot convince Skylar BB that the Kyger is not the end all be all. <laughs> I want a devil's garden so bad. Yeah, they are. I've had a few Kygers and I've trained a few. And anyone that has ever worked at the Oregon BLM will tell you Kygers are their least favorite HMA. Because it's like it seriously, Kygers. Every Kyger, there's a couple of Kygers here here in Aiken. And the lady that has them in a way, and she likes Kygers because she likes. I mean, she says she says they're fun, you know. But the way she describes us, take the raunchiest, rankest little Hancock ranch pony you've ever met, and then breed it with a Mustang. Yeah, pretty much. Well, the thing is, is the Kyger HMA they selected horses from the Beatty's Butte HMA in Oregon with that Dunn factor gorillas and Dunn's. And you, I mean, you guys obviously know what happened when you, what happens when you breed for color, let alone when you breed for color and you turn it out and let it inbreed as well. Hi, my name's Appaloosa. <laughs> it, I will take an Appaloosa any day. Yeah. The happy people are just about to blow me up. The, the thing is with happy people is they forget about the eighties. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They so here's another thing that they added. First of all, they say, you know, the, the the BLM has the ultimate scapegoat for damage caused by privately owned cattle and sheep, and that's the Mustang. And that, that's we know that's that's just BS. Um, but I did want to touch on this. So the American taxpayers fund more than 90% of the cost of commercial ranchers to graze their private livestock on public lands. No. I don't know where that money is going but it's definitely not to the ranchers. The, the blm does not pay ranchers no to graze their cattle in fact they have to submit well they have to pay for a permit yeah they do and if they're paying for that permit and there's too many horses on that permit and they can't run cattle on there guess what they still have to pay for a permit that no. they're not using. no the blm's job is to keep track of that land yeah. And to make sure that's not being abused, but that's not helping the rancher. That is to make sure the rancher is abiding by the rules of the Public Land Act. Yeah. I mean, in that right there, that's not a misconception. That is an outright twist of the truth it is. to pull on heartstrings. 
Well, and the thing is, too, is like a lot of these anti-gather groups, when they start talking about the ranchers and the BLM and everything like that, using public lands is there's a, so much misinformation on how they allow the how they allow ranchers to use the land. They never say that the land is monitored by the BLM. If they misuse the land and overgraze it, they get numbers cut or their permit taken away entirely. They never talk about how they have to actually pay for their permit to run horses on there. Mm -hmm. They never talk about how every couple of weeks you have to rotate your cattle. You know, mm -hmm. they make it sound like that ranchers get to turn out 2,000 head of cows out on public land and leave them there for the summer and say, hey, you know, we'll come back later and gather them, you know, or when it's time to go to sell, we'll gather the ones yeah. we want. And let the BLM or the EPA find out that you're destroying a water source on that public land. I cannot tell you how many riparian areas with fencing that I've had to repair to keep cows out. Yeah. Because so, they do not want cattle in there in a riparian area with a water source. And, you know, ranchers work really hard to maintain that land. You know, a lot of people think that, you know, they're just money greedy people. And it's like, you know, if they were just to turn out 2,000 head of cows and not rotate them, that's not smart. Like, no, it's not just this giant pasture that you just turn them out in. You have to every few weeks, you know, two or three weeks, you have to rotate all your cows to the next pasture. If you don't rotate all of them and the BLM drives through and they see cows or the Forest Service drives through and they see cows, mm -hmm. you get in trouble. You know, because you've got to rotate from pasture to pasture. And ranchers would do that otherwise because they don't want to overgraze a pasture to the point where next year when they turn cows back out, it's not going to be even better than the year before. No. Financially, that is not responsible. Mm -mm. So here's something. So here's the next part. And I'm going to let you go off on this because you've made a video on it. I asked for the pictures uh, mm -hmm. recently. Um, and I'll just let you take this because I know you've got a lot to say. The BLM will tell the public that there are too many wild mustangs. And there isn't enough food for them, and they need to be removed for their own good. The BLM won't tell the public that millions of privately owned cattle and sheep are taking the place of federally protected wild, I hate that word, Mustangs. Every time I see something like that drives me absolutely Are we being snarky? I have to ask. No, I don't think so. I think that... It's just absolutely ridiculous that people can spread like such blatantly wrong information. If this like, was if this was Australia, they'd be issuing hunting permits. Yeah. Yeah. It's just insane. Like I I think that there's a difference between people being able to like tell their side of the story and going out there and spreading like very, very well known proven wrong information oh yeah can we can we take a moment though to appreciate one thing how punchy is this mustache looking no one likes punchy. it punchy no that sarah You're likes right. it the um the, the part that blew me is away right there with that is that the cattle and sheep are replacing mustangs no you can google um cattle and sheep permits map 
go to images. Boom, there it is. Do the same thing for HMAs. Sarah, what happens when you compare those two maps? You actually see that in reality, they don't actually run in common that much. No, they, like they barely stated, overlap. Like I had stated in that uh, video reply to that, did, to that one lady a while ago, because she was talking about how, I can't remember exactly what she asked, but I do remember the video that I made where I overlapped the maps and showed her in Oregon uh, how much actually cattle run in common with mustangs yeah you know and i told her i said yeah livestock have 155 million acres mustangs only get 29 million acres but let's compare just in oregon since i'm here in oregon the two on how much they actually run in common and you could see that they really don't actually run in common that much no which is one thing that I mentioned in that one, uh, that photographer's post where I yeah. said, you know. So here's a question, if you don't mind. And I'm I, not trying to back you in. You know, I, I do not make it a habit of trying to back anyone into a corner. And, nah. and if I'm backing you into a corner, just say I don't feel comfortable answering that. And we'll leave it at that. What would happen, let's say uh, an HMA, uh, a herd, let's just call let's just say a herd. Yeah. Not not so much a family unit. Um several family There are units. no family units. I know they're not. <laughs> um I, I, I love how people do that and then they realize that what happens and what they're calling family units is children are breeding their moms and aunts and daughters and everything else. Before they're even two years old. Yeah, and then and then the the patriarch is beating the hell, if not killing his own cults. Yep. You know, I mean, yeah, that that's awesome. That's healthy. Um, yep. You know, oh, that's the natural way of things. No, it's 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 not because they're domestic horses. So you know, when you send a young, once domestic horse out on its own, th these aren't Shavalsky's horse. Yeah. And even Shavalsky's horse, we're not even sure if that's a wild horse. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, it's nuts. The, um, but what I was going to ask you is this. All right. Let's say uh, a, a herd decided to really start getting into um, leased land. All right. They're, they're spreading to that area. What would the BLM do? Would they extend that HMA? Um, or would they round, start rounding up? We would gather. You'd gather. Uh, yeah. If they start breaking out of, you know, going out of what their HMA is, we would do a gather on that. And, yeah. well, it really does depend on the circumstances, honestly. But for the most part, we would gather that. Yeah. And... Yeah, because they're outside of the HMA. Considering that there's probably more horses on range than elk at this point. Yeah. I mean, it depends on the HMA. You know, if it was South Steens, like, crossing the road and going over into, you know, Rock Creek property, you know, where it's leased land, 
yeah, we would gather those horses up. We'd probably end up big trapping them or something. I, like I just that. had a thought. I just had a thought because you live there. I live in the southeast, and it just hit me because uh, starting next week, our our white-tailed deer hunting season starts. And, uh, yeah, we have one of the longest seasons in the country here in South Carolina. Um, except we just go out and we hunt the first day because it's way too hot. and We don't like ticks. Um, and then we wait till October. Um, but you know, I just had a thought, Sarah, I'm going to ask you a question. Would you say it's safe to say these dwindling numbers of Mustangs, because you know, the BLM just savagely rounds them up. Would you say they outnumber mule deer at this point? Oh yeah. Which is probably the second, um, you know, uh, large herbivore out there i would say so i mean in oregon it might be close but oregon is pretty good about managing their levels i mean south steens is the only hma that's really completely and vastly beyond aml Mm -hmm. but especially in like states like nevada and utah and Wyoming and stuff like that. Yeah. I would say so. So so Mustangs outnumber them, even though they're 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 dwindling. Um, and we won't have none in a couple of years, according to some people. But yet we issue hunting tags for mule deer. Does that make any sense? No, it doesn't. It doesn't to me. We at also all. issue tags for elk, which there's probably fewer number of those than anything. Now I'm not ant I'm a deer hunter. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, um, we are the we are the we are the number one predator now because unfortunately, the most of the predators and most of their competition is now gone. Their other competition yeah. being the bison, uh, large numbers of elk and large predatory cats and wolves, which we have basically hunt to the point where they're a non issue for large herbivores. Yeah. We have that on our conscience, and we should feel bad about that. We should not feel bad about trying to protect our native species now, considering we are the apex predator. We should feel bad about allowing feral horses to replace mule deer and elk. Right. I mean, am I wrong? Am I crazy? Does it sound no. like I hate Mustangs by saying that? No, you're not. I completely agree with you. I mean, it doesn't make any sense to me that Mustangs should be protected like an invasive or like a extinct species, even though they're completely not, I mean, vastly even past being extinct. Because, like, you know, you have to have 2,500 adult or mature animals on range to qualify it as extinct. You know, there's an estimated over 80,000 Mustangs on range today. They're not even remotely close to being extinct. No, I would be, I would say a healthy number and with all the HMAs, a healthy number is less than 15,000. Yes. I mean, that's just off the top of, that's just off the cuff. I don't know. I'm not a professional in this industry like you, but I'm just equating it into wild animal and being a hunter and quasi conservationist. 15,000 is a healthy number on the acreage, in my opinion. Yeah. And Speaking, speaking as someone who lives on the other side of the country, not close to anything, um, wild must or you know wild mustang related, it's it's amazing to me like the amount of people who think that mustangs are 
very far few and in between you know what i mean like over here i deal with a large population of people who bring their children to ride horses or um etc and they you know well they i've heard many people make comments like oh well i don't really have wild you know they don't really have feral mustangs anymore you know things like that and so when people post things like you saw on, you know that we commented on facebook like there's so many people out there who just believe that and it's crazy and it was it was interesting to me before we started the podcast you guys were chit-chatting a little bit about how rapidly they are growing in numbers like close to 20 percent a year and the fact that they are an invasive species and they do ruin the land and they're increasing by 20% a year. If we were to let them go, we would have, there would be no hunting of anything other than, you know, horses eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Seriously. I mean, we would, it would get to the point where the BLM could no longer control. And I'm, and I'm just, this is just me thinking out loud that the BLM would probably no longer be able to contain it. Somebody like uh, it's the, already to that point. Yeah, and and um, federal fish and wildlife would have to step in, and it would get to the point where either it would be cull or hunting permits. Yeah, it would be like Australia with a brumby. People love yeah. the brumby, but people in Australia also realize that yeah, hunting her- permits are a good thing because they can't adopt out all the brumby. Yeah, and I always invite all the people that are anti-gather, anti-this, say they're crowded and this, that, and the other. Go adopt five. I mean, you know, if you want to do something, go adopt one. Give one a home. Yes. Exactly. And even if you can't adopt one, sponsor somebody. Sponsor, sponsor somebody. Sponsor program. Sponsor yeah. Mustang Heritage Foundation. Even these, and I'm not a huge fan of them because I, they ruin it for the average person to be able to adopt a Mustang at 125 bucks. I think it is now is these Mustang sanctuaries that get on the online corral and they they will seriously take in donations and spend I don't know eleven or twelve thousand dollars in donations getting one horse because of the color. Don't even get me started on that. That you're, they're not, and people keep giving these people money. Yeah. They're not they're not a sanctuary. They tug on people's heartstrings, you know, and these sanctuaries will quote unquote work in coalition with the, you know, whatever corrals so that they can they they're very um articulate and careful on what they post and what they say. Yeah. Because they want it, you know, borderline anti-gather, anti-BLM, but at the same time, they don't, you know, if someone says an anti-gather or anti-BLM comment, they don't defend the BLM. They imply it, but it's not said. Yeah. And so, because they don't want to lose people, they don't want to lose donations to bid Fifteen thousand dollars on a three-year-old blue roan that was separated from their family. You you never you, you never see these sanctuaries, and you know what? There may be one out there, and by God, if if you're one of these sanctuaries or rescues and you do this, then more power to you. I I applaud you. I will send you money. 
But you never hardly see any of these sanctuaries bidding on the 15-year-old with the bad confirmation. No. no. That it will spend the rest of its life in holding because it die on the range. It's, yeah. it's close. To, it, if they make 18 on the range, they did good. Yeah. But you, you never see, see them bidding on, on that. World that's like you said, 15 years old. Yeah. That's literally just a stick. Yeah. It they, is. They, they, they would never, they will never bid on two or three year old or yearling that's blue or got a flashy pinto color. Or there's or, pictures of them in the wild with their family. Family on. group. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's getting bred by its brother. Yeah. I mean, I mean, some folks are into that with their with the registered ponies, so I can't throw that too much out there. Shots fired, but so I want to, I want to, I want to go on to, I want to go on to this part of this, Sarah. And this is another thing that irks me as somebody who um, uh, has their farm as a business and has a doing business as. So on this photographer, it says many of the. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, I got to get my, I get my dramatic voice back. I'm That's sorry. That's right. Yeah. Many of the identities of the public grazing permittees are obscured by, and I just closed it. Hold on. I'm coming back. Dad gummit. You ruined it. You I ruined, ruined it. it. I lost all the dramatics. Ugh. I cannot get back into it. I was drawn uh, in, but you lost me. Here we go. Okay. Many of the identities of the public grazing permittees are obscured by corporate names, but there's just one example I found in the BLM data. Let me go ahead and say it was the example they wanted to use, not one example they found. Um, the heirs to the late hotel. Somebody owns a bunch of hotels as a hotelier. I'm trying to pronounce this word, hotelier. Let's go with hotelier. W. Baron Hilton. Net worth $80 million. Owns a public land grazing permit in California and Nevada, totaling at least 350 square miles. Isn't it amazing that these millionaires enjoy the spoils thanks to the American taxpayer? Now, they bought those permits. Yeah. And, and it saved the American taxpayer. Uh, yeah, they bought those permits. They yeah. paid for them. A so apparently, apparently HMAs and Mustangs just grow out of the friggin' dirt. So these 350 acres, if they just left them alone, some Mustang trees would have grown and dropped their little Mustang fruit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it. you don't have to be, I mean, you don't have to be a rocket surgeon. You know what? If you're gullible, I can see it. If you're gullible, and I, you know, and I hate to say that because I know I probably got listeners that are big advocates for being anti Roundup, this, that, and the other, and it's okay to say, listen, I'm I'm against gather. I don't like the practice of how the BLM gathers. Right. I personally believe that they should be left on their own devices because we really don't know what would happen. With, you know, I can give you a good idea of what would happen, but um, you know, I I just want to see it for myself. I, I just really wish we would just leave some of them alone and I can under, I can, you know, I can understand your train of thought. What I can't get behind is when your cause is so weak, you outright lie to get people on board. But the way that they get voices that loud are by getting people who may not really even 
I don't even know if I would use the word gullible because most of these people that are advocating for them are people who literally have no clue about horses in general. They rode a pony ride one time as a kid or their niece's best friend has a horse and they like the idea of horses and have no clue and they saw it on Facebook. Sorry, my corgi is That's okay. Vinny can do whatever Vinny wants. Vinny is literally has the zoomies. Oh yeah, and let me add they they volunteer. They volunteer, you know, about four hours a week at the local SPCA in the cat room. Yeah. Yeah. And so they then they just spam. Like they'll find Sarah like that. No, I got a story to tell you from today. Go ahead, Jess. Go ahead, Jess. Sorry. I uh, my dogs are causing a catastrophe. Go ahead. Mm-mm. I have pugs, so I fully understand. You know, you heard barking and stuff like that here and there. It's because I have two pugs and a puppy right now. I'm trying to sell. I thought you were but trying anyway. to find the pugs home. Yeah. Ship so me think- one. I grew up with pugs. I, I mean, got one available. How much? He's my favorite one. Make an offer. Make an offer. I, I can't afford dogs these days. <laughs> I can barely afford horses. Listen, I just took on a three-year-old. She's cute as a button, by the way. And then I get the phone call. My daughter's horse is ready. Oh, they go awesome. pick up. So <laughs> if anybody wants to buy a mule, she's half off this week. <laughs> she's half so- off. Somebody come take her. <laughs> Somebody come get her. You know yeah. what? I might pin a hundred dollars, a uh, hundred dollar bill to those big ears. <laughs> just put her on the corner. Yeah, I have a corgi puppy who is like four months old, and he had the zoomies and was literally tearing around my bedroom with a squeaky toy. Then he ran into the baby gate and hit the Great Dane with the. I uh, hit the Great Dane with the baby gate. And he freaked out and ran backwards. And so for those that aren't going to get to see this for the, yeah. For those that aren't watching this on YouTube and you're just listening, Sarah's holding up the absolute cutest thing I've ever seen. Oh His my God. And you know what I love about him? Uh, you know what I love about him? He's actually got a face. Look at it. And not like all smushed up. Anyways, oh, in a Vinny. I love corgis. Nobody hates corgis. If you hate corgis, yeah. you can just unsubscribe. Yeah. I'm, I if love you corgis. hate corgis, you got a problem and you need therapy. Yeah, corgis are and awesome. problem medication. So I, <laughs> yeah, so I do want to add one thing so I can close this out and then Can I can I tell my story real quick? Yeah, oh I'm sorry. Go ahead. So my boss got a a voicemail today. He had done a interview yesterday with uh, Oregon's public broadcasting about our plans for fertility control. Mm-hmm. And he used the word IUD. Oh, Lord. He had gotten a voicemail today. It was a lady. She was extremely concerned about the fact that we're going to be using IUDs in Mustang mares because her two daughters got IUDs and they ended up in the hospital within hours with extreme and excruciating pain. And so if that happened to her daughters that were perfectly healthy, she can't imagine what would happen to the Mustang horses. What you just said gave me Forrest Whitaker eye. 
<laughs> and I won't, I won't give up, you know, too many details about the message, but that was about the gist of it. And from well, what I gathered from the voicemail, she, she really didn't know anything about horses. She was just listening to Oregon's public bar- broadcasting radio. Yeah. And from her experience and her daughters receiving an IUD. So to, to piggyback on that, this is the closing remark. And it actually piggybacks exactly on what you say. And it says, it's time to know the truth. And the reality behind the roundups. It's a hashtag, apparently. Or probably one they just made. Is there an like, audible noise for an eye roll? Um, I don't know. I have a headache from rolling my eyes and trying to be dramatic <laughs> with this because I'm, I can't keep a straight face. Corporate agribusiness is driving the massive removals of wild mustangs, and the BLM is a willing partner. Oh, I got to go back for a second with the ID identities of the public grazing permittees obscured by corporate names. I don't know many ranches that do business as the quote. I'll use me as the J Ryan Chastain Ranch. I mean, they, usually they're doing business as they have to be a business for tax purposes. Yeah, so they they do a, a doing business as there is an LLC uh, or a franchise, um, not franchise, but uh, a um, do what a five hundred one c three or nonprofit or something. Yeah, or you know a um, enterprise. You know they 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 are an ink. You know that you have to for tax your ranch or your farm is a business. You're not hiding who you are behind that business. You can Google that business and it will tell you exactly who owns that ranch or farm. They just call their farm, you know, something else. So it's, you know, uh, like here, I don't know if uh, Cold Creek is a fine example. Um, not Cold Creek. Uh, what's that? Creek Plantation. Everybody knows who owns Creek Plantation here. It's thousands of acres, it's a big ranch. We know who owns it. It's not hard to find that information. Just yeah. those who owns it because they put on road to the horse every year. I mean, you know, but then it says the part that piggybacks on what you said, whether you are a concerned citizen or a member of the media, dig deep, follow the money. It will lead you to the truth. Why does that sound like something that who's the guy who's in court right now? Um, the conspiracy theory guy. You know what I'm talking about does has he got basically canceled? Oh, um, um, I'm like a raccoon trapped in a garage. What's his yeah, name? Yeah, um, that guy. It, never mind. That reminds me of something he would say. I I can't think of his name, and I uh, can't. I can I can I can find it. I'm googling it right now. It's pretty easy to find. I'm just, I'm just Googling conspiracy far-right personality. <laughs> uh, this is awesome. Uh, I'm just getting a bunch of pictures of raccoons in garages. <laughs> yeah, I'm a raccoon trapped in a garage. Um, here we go. Here we Joe go. Joe Rogan. Is it Joe Rogan? No, it's not Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan's not Joe Rogan's not really. I like Joe Rogan. 
I do like Joe Rogan too. I don't um, know why I was thinking Joe Rogan. I can't. What is that guy's name? Um, owns uh Info. It's Infowars. Um, what is the guy's name? Uh, Alex Jones. Yes, that's it. That sounds like something Alex Jones would say. Whether you are a concerned citizen or a member of the media, dig deep, follow the money. <coughs> it's Pizzagate. I mean, get a grip. It absolutely amazes me, like the blatant lies that people tell. Like you're saying, if you have to lie to defend your cause, you might as well be a politician. Well, yeah, and I mean, that's I what these people own. are doing. I got my own conspiracy theory, which I haven't decided whether I want to believe it or not, about anti-gather groups. Go is ahead. That the only reason why they're anti-gather is because they get donations. They get money. And every single time the BLM comes up with some sort of, like, sound fertility control or, you know, they're up in an uproar against gathers. So like Oregon was going to do, they were going to spay mares and return them to range. And my mare that I actually have now, Reba, she was going to be one of those mares. She was selected for that. But it got shut down because anti-gather groups got PETA on board and PETA freaked out. And we were receiving calls at the corrals saying that we were going to be ripping the ovaries out with rusty chains. And if you spent five minutes on Google on the difference between gelding a stud and Spain a mare, you would actually realize that Spain a mare is a, immensely more humane than gelding a stud. But what happens when you get fertility control that actually works and is extremely effective? You don't get gathers. And when you don't get gathers, you can't post anti-gather stuff. And when you can't post anti-gather, you don't get donations. And it seems like every single time the BLM comes up with an actual thing that will work, it is shut down by anti-gather groups. Yeah. So they have to continue to gather. It's just, I feel like that's how it is with almost any cause for anything. Like, if you're trying to be actually helpful, like... The people who are trying to actually be helpful just get drowned out by the people who want to have a say in something that they know nothing about. Exactly. You know what I really think it is? And and it's a um it's a way to feel important. Yeah, yeah it is. And it's it, you know, just because we one thing that we have learned in the last few years is you don't have to know anything about anything to have a say in it. We're, we're killing pug puppies over here. Don't worry. Oh my! You know we're we're mean people. We want to cull mustangs and kill Puppy. pugs. Kill pug puppies. Oh no! We're horrible. Them. We're horrible people. No, it's it absolutely amazes me. Like the things that these anti-gather groups spread and like try to and like one thing that I will argue with a lot of comments of people who are just online. You know the keyboard Karens with a Google degree. 
they'll, you know, start saying, well, I read, and they'll post all these articles. And I'm like, well, this is a biased article. This is a biased article. This is from an anti-gather group. It's, it's from Mother and, Jones. Yeah. And one thing that I had started pointing out to people is that, you know, have you ever noticed that the people that actually live like me within a driving distance or they see these Mustangs on a regular basis, locals to Mustangs, they're all pro-gathered. Yeah. Why? You know, and it doesn't have to do with the fact that they're ranchers. Can, can I add you know, something it, to that? Yeah. Most people that are actual horsemen are pro-gather. Exactly. Even though, and they'll sit there and go, well, how can you claim to love Mustangs and be pro-gather? I'm pro-gather because I love them and I want I want yeah. them to be on range, but I want them to be manageable and healthy and fat and live beyond 15 years old. Yeah. I always yeah. use I always use the Cumberland Island horse as an example of right. what happens when you overregulate an animal. One thing that I say a lot to people too is like, you know. Um, all these anti-gather groups sit and post, they come out, they drive eight hours from the city, they come out and snap a picture of a stud that is named because he's flashy, yeah. you know, and, and everyone he, is feeding him because everyone knows him. Yeah. And, you know, early June, May, you know, when grass starts growing and they're mm -hmm. fat and happy, but how come you never see pictures and I gather groups posting pictures of these horses when there's snow on the ground. I want to see them out there the first week of March. Yeah. Somewhere exactly. like Northern Nevada. Yeah. And one thing I've, I've started noticing a rise of lately, the anti gather groups kind of grasping at strings is they're using pregnant mares, heavy bred mares. The BLM is planning on gathering heavy bred mares during fulling season out on range. And I'm like, there is no freaking fulling season no, out on range. They're if breeding can... indiscriminately. Yeah. Like I can vouch as someone who works at the corrals and is in charge of sorting out pairs. I can say there is a peak fulling season in springtime. Mm -hmm. can, can I... Go ahead. They have fulls year-round. Yep. So as a outdoorsman, as somebody who loves to hunt and fish, um, I can tell you, um, and as a horseman or as someone who plays a horseman on the internet, um, I can I can tell you right now that I will use white-tailed deer as an example because that's a species of wild animal, actual wild animal yes. that I know a lot about um, because they're tasty. Um and that is that they have ruts. Mm -hmm. And that is seasons when does go in season. And so we know when does are going to have babies and when to look out for them. Domestic horses and the descendants of domestic horses go in heat whenever there's a stallion that brings them into heat. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is not rocket science. No, it's not. Literally, like, I would say 99% of my counter arguments that I make on TikTok with people who are anti-gather, literally two minutes of research on Google to show them. 
All it takes is two minutes of research on Google to show. But they don't want to look at non-biased research. Exactly. They just want to. They just want something that backs up their side, which is honestly speaks volumes for even the political. And I, I'm not trying to bring politics into anything, but the political climate that we're in yeah. in the last 20 years is nobody wants to hear anything from the other side. They just want to hear something that backs up their own train of thought. Exactly. I mean, it's safe to say I think the three of us lean fairly libertarian more than anything. And if you look at the studies by actual fairly liberal institutions, which honestly probably makes up the majority of anti-gather folks. But you yeah. look at these institutions, these universities that are heavily liberal influenced, they all say the same things. Feral horses are horrible for the land. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, that, that throws the other argument. I've been called everything from uh, somebody said that you must have voted for Trump when I said that you can't just leave horses to their own device. I was like, what does that have to do with anything? And right. I didn't. And I didn't. I also didn't vote for the other guy either. Yeah. You know, I, it, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. Like, you know, I vote gold every time I get, you know, yeah. it's, no, it's no make no marks to me. I'll leave you alone. You leave me alone. That's my fault. Right. It's just, it's amazing. Like, I can't tell you how many arguments I've gotten in with people and they make a comment. Well, you must have voted for Trump or you I, must. Why have is it? I'm like, what does that have to do with the fact that, you know, we're arguing about oh. Mustang range? Like, yeah. How about we look at a study? I always point them. I always. And that's why I always use when it comes to like horse health and with the touchy feelies. I always refer to UC Davis. Because not only is UC Davis a ultra liberal institution, it's also probably the finest veterinary institution in the world. Yep. I went a, on a back trip with a lady from UC Davis. It was pretty like one of the like top ladies. Yeah, I I would probably get along with no one there politically. Yeah. But I appreciate every bit of scientific data that comes oh, from yeah. that place. And I always show them like UC Davis has done studies on feral horses. You know yeah. what they say? Detrimental to land. Yeah. There we go. Nobody's gotta, no, and nobody's saying nobody's saying eradicate mustangs. Yeah. And and then here's something else too, and it irritates me is you can always tell you can always tell who doesn't know their ass from a hole in the ground and is just speaking with emotion because they just assume a mustang is a mustang is a mustang. Well, mustangs have been around for hundreds of years, and no, they haven't. Not all of them. The vast majority of them are U.S. Army rebound horses and ex yeah. and, and former ranch stock that's just gotten out. There's very few of those HMAs that carry the Spanish lines. Yeah. And Kiger, you know, to revert back to Kiger, Kiger is the most well-known, you know, one for having Spanish influence when actually they're at, like, not even. Yeah, what about the herds that have gated traits? Are those Spanish horses? No. And, like, anytime someone blames, like, tries to accuse me and says, you know, you just want them eradicated so you can run more cattle. And I'm like, you know what? No. I have a deep respect for Mustangs because, like you said, a lot of them are from Remount, which built America. Yeah. Built the United States. You know, I have a huge respect for Mustang horses and their heritage and where they came from and the history from each HMA, from 
it being remount horses to like I mentioned before in previous my TikTok videos, like the stinking water herd. Just, you know, they get their size and their draft influence from a guy who turned out his draft mares back in the 60s. Yeah. You know, it's like there's, you know, each HMA is completely different depending on the settlers in the area, the immigrants, the history of the area. There is a tremendous amount of history within each HMA. But and here's my problem with the whole thing with those type of people. They completely forget that we have feral horses here on the East Coast, and those truly are yeah. isolated herds of Spanish horses. And if yeah. they want their Spanish horses, they're there. Nobody will write a check and help them. No, because they're not BLM. They're not. They're not. The evil BLM isn't doing anything. No, they've just been seriously protected to the point that nobody can touch them. They yeah. live till about 10 years old. They're all inbred, all undersized, and they've eaten everything down to dirt on the little island they're on. Yeah. And we can't get a legislator to do anything about it because yeah. it's a protected seashore. Yeah. I'm talking about the Cumberland horse. Uh, and I always bring up the Cumberland horse because the Cumberland horse is a fine example of what overregulation does. Right. Look at the Ashinkatigue. The Ashinkatigue ponies, they do great. That's because they are they are managed. They rotate those herds. They auction off the horse. Nobody cries when they round up a Shinkatigs and auction them people, off. You don't see people freaking out about reservation mustangs either. You don't see anybody freaking out about the feral horses in Appalachia. And you've got people out there like Aaron, feral Aaron, literally, if you're a believer doing God's work, and she's showing the reality of these skinny, dead yeah. inside horses. You know, she posted a video today and it's the skeletons of horses. Yeah. Like, like just dead horses. You know, that's the reality. That is, that is the reality yeah. right there because nobody gives a damn. Nobody's managing feral horses in Appalachia. They're just left to their own devices. And people are like, well, you know, well, you know, that's Appalachia, you know, it's green and all that. No, it's not. They're on the side of friggin' mountains. There's no grass yeah. for them to eat. They're eating friggin' oak leaves and acorns. And you go out west. And a lot of those horses take up residence in areas where there's very little grassland. Well, even like, you even think of like the Devil's Garden HMA in California. I love those horses. You don't see much about anti-gather groups with Devil's Garden. They're horse service. Mm-hmm. I have never seen an anti-gather post about the Devil's Garden Mustangs. Because it's not the BLM. Exactly. The BLM has just been painted. And I'm going to go ahead and, and just break down this history. And Sarah, I know you know it. Before the 1960s, nobody gave a crap about a Mustang. And there became all this camp when they finally got protected status, which was great. They should have. Because it, it is an iconic, traditional American thing. You should mention how they were managed before the BLM. I will go ahead and tell folks how they were managed before. So in the... In the 1800s, the way they were managed during Western expansion, I'll even go before that. So native tribes would would take on the horses that they thought were fit to be trainable and rideable. The others they would shoo away or kill because they didn't want them breeding with their mares. Other tribes, their idea of management was killing and eating them because there weren't bison, there were horses. If I'm not mistaken, I believe that the Navajo still have a tradition of eating horse meat today. 
I'm pretty sure it's the Navajo. If I'm wrong, somebody shoot me an email and correct me. But there were several tribes where eating horse was popular. And in lean times, they would eat horse all the time. In the 1800s, during Western expansion, ranchers would shoot them because they didn't want them breeding with their mares. They didn't want their stallions getting a whiff of a feral mare off in the distance and tearing down a shabby barn lot. That was a form of management. And the numbers were a whole wow. less. Their target practice by the military for a while, too. Well, you know, the, the, the army used to take uh, horses that were not going to be used for remount and just cull them. They would literally dig pits, put a herd in it, and open up on them with machine guns. And then the public got wind of that, and it was like, no, I can't do that. And I'd be the first to tell you that's a, that's a little drastic. Yeah. Um, that's a bit much, you know. But And I'll go ahead and tell you what the Army did when the, in 1948 when the, the Quartermaster Corps did away with the remount service. All of that got turned over to the USDA. What did the USDA did? Well, the stallions that they reclaimed that ranchers didn't want that were in breeding programs for them, almost f- between five and 700 of them, a few hundred of those just got turned out on range. And in fact, some of the agents that were going out to reclaim those horses that were making contact with those ranchers that were breeding for the BLM because the ranchers didn't want those half-breed thoroughbred horses. They were breeding, you know, ranch stock. That was not ranch stock to them. Yeah. And they would tell them, well, if you don't want it, you know, I will not be mad if you just open the gate. That account has been told and told again. And so many people have told it and heard it from their grandpas and their great grandpas that that's what they were told. It's not even funny. Just open the gate. And I had somebody make a comment saying that, well, you know, all the all the remount horses were geldings. No. They maintained five to 700 stallions for breeding. Cavalry mounts come from somewhere. Mares were issued too. You turn mares out on range, they get bred. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I digress. Well, anytime anyone tries to argue with me, like, Mustang population was fine until the BLM showed up. Mm-hmm. They self regulated. I, I will go this way. I will, I will do this. They didn't self-regulate. They regulated through, you know, being cold. I, I, will, I will go this far. The population was probably fine until the quartermaster corps got involved. Yeah. It. People need to brush up on their history. That's all I got to say. Me too. It's, it's just, it's nuts. And I know we're probably going to catch a lot of flack and a lot of people are going to say, oh, well, you know, we're, we're, um, we're, we're Mustang haters and this, that, and the other, and it couldn't be farther from the truth. We're passionate about them and we're so passionate about them that we do want to preserve them. One thing, one statement that I usually make that I generally do not get an argument back for is when people try to argue with me and say that I have drank the BLM Kool-Aid, even after I've told them I used to be anti-gather myself. Yeah. And they'll sit there, you drank the BLM Kool-Aid. No, I didn't. But uh, one thing I'll tell them is like, first I'll point out the facts like I mentioned earlier, is that 
How come you never see anti-gather people posting pictures of horses in the wintertime? You know? No, How come there's never pictures of horses with snow on the ground? No, May, they will, May and June, wispy manes in the breeze. Yeah. yeah. And then I tell them, I said, you know what? These horses, and I steal this from uh, Western Justice all the time because they kind of coined the love to death phrase. Mm-hmm. And I said, these horses are literally being loved to death by anti-gather groups. Yeah. And the fact that if these exact same horses, like South Scenes for 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 example, were literally across the highway for where my husband works in the wintertime, people would drive by. And they would be calling the police. Yes. And my husband's boss would be in prison for neglect. Yeah. Some of these horses do not even start gaining weight until they've been till they've been gathered. Exactly. I cannot tell you how many horses we had at the corrals this winter that we separated them. We'd give them a buddy because we know they are herd animals. We'd separate the skinny ones and we'd put them in a pen together and we would just give them alfalfa. We'd give them selenium. We'd give them salt. We'd give them every vitamin and mineral that you could possibly ever imagine. We'd get blood drawn to see what was going on. We'd go through nonstop like worming, you know, specialized worming medication. We would do, uh, you know, we'd have the vet out all the time to see why is this horse so skinny? Why is it not gaining weight? Everything else is mm-hmm. gaining weight. Why is this one not gaining weight? And that's where, and that is where a lot of the budget is going. Yeah. Is for that because that stuff's expensive and everybody thinks, oh, you know, the BLM is getting X amount of million dollars a year. Uh, I hate to break it to people, but the BLM is a whole lot more than, than Mustang management. Mustang management was just something that was just handed to them, uh, honestly, in recent history, most of my listeners' lifetime. Yeah. You know, the rest of the money goes to, and I'm sorry, and I, I understand that you work for the BLM, but the majority of the money goes to, you know, researching how often a lizard farts in a creek. Yeah. I Oh, I know. I know. And I got some things to say about that, but. We're going to keep quiet. Yeah, we're, we're not going to say anything about that. We're not going to say anything about that. But there is a lot of um, a lot of research. Now, a, a lot of really good research that goes on on our, our native grasslands yeah. and our public lands about preserving that public land for the species that are there. So there is a lot of research that goes into those species to make sure those species um, yeah. can, can prolong to exist. I yeah. sit there and do a crap ton of research on something that you already know that completely devastates and damages the land severely. Oh yeah. I mean, any, it's already been proven. No, anybody that owns a horse will tell you, yeah, I don't don't if, man. If you got, if you got a pretty fill and put a horse on it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just not, it's not, I hate to keep saying it, but it's not rocket science. If you own a horse, you know, yeah. How I, you know, and, and the folks that own horses, and are still, you know, for what all these people are saying, I have to question you as a horseman. Uh, do you have horses as pets or are you a horseman? If not, what are you spending every year 
they keep that field of yours looking good. Because I'm not, I'm spending zero and my shit's a dirt lot. Yeah. I'm spending more in hay than I really should be. You know, I'd probably be a lot less for me to just lime and seed, but you know what? You know, I'd, apparently I'm stupid. I just buy hay. Yeah. yeah I mean, well, this day and age it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I used to, I used to pay $55 a bale. We've yeah. gone up to $70. Apparently I've been stupid the past year because I've been keeping my mare down here feeding her, you know, good grass hay. Yeah. And she's looked, you know, ideal body condition. She's fine. But yeah. like, you know, if I went to riding her hard, she would lose weight pretty good. And then I freaking turn her out at the feedlot where it's all weeds and barely any grass. And she's fat as a tick now. Yeah. So I've been stupid. So that's what, that's what I do with my cows. Like I'll have like all kind of weeds and crap come up. And I'm like, you know what? This seems like a perfect place for cows. I always tell people, don't don't buy a goat, go buy a bottle calf. Yeah. They do a better job. And they won't eat your little trees. Yeah. The, uh, you know, I, I just, I don't get it. I really don't. It, it blows my mind. And I, I you know, and I know some people are going to walk away from this episode and go, wow, these people must really hate these horses. And it, it couldn't be farther from the truth. We okay. love these horses. And we understand that management is what they meet, they need. And I'll be, I mean, golly, and I hate to say this, Sarah, I really do. And I'm just going to say it, and it might just be the beverages that I've had over the course of this episode, because we've run a little long. But it probably wouldn't even hurt to cull a few. It wouldn't. It would not. I'm a big advocate of something having a useful death than having a miserable life. Exactly. Exactly. And there was a book my husband read and him and I were talking about. I can't remember whose book it was or anything like that. But he had helped with gathering Mustangs back. I can't remember what it was. It was kind of when it like first started and stuff. And he said, honestly, if you genuinely cared about these animals, the most humane thing you could do, put them down. Yeah. Well, then that's do what Australia is doing. Stress of gathers. Do not cause them the stress of going through training with an adopter. Do not cause them years and years of stress. Even though, you know, a lot of Mustangs turn out into be some pretty amazing homes and get taken care of. But honestly, most humane thing to do without causing stress putting them down yeah well um, and, yeah and and you bring up a good point there too is that some do go on to really good homes and some turn out to be some really fine horses some really do turn out to be some really you have mustangs mm-hmm. i've had one in the past and it was a great horse but for everyone that turns out good there's probably 20 I can't tell you how many we sent to long-term holding this year because either the fact that they were too old mm-hmm. or even, you know, the ones too- the sanctuary should really be bidding on. Yeah. The ones that, the sanctuary that, that they could get for $125. Yeah. But no, 
They no. got to get the three-year-old with no. a good Let's mind. spend nine grand on a three-year-old yeah. that honestly could have went and be trained. Yeah. And could had a great life as life. a saddle horse and lived to probably been 25 or 30. Yeah. But no, let's just, we're just sanctuary. Keeping families together. Keep, yeah, keeping, keeping families together. You know, not brother, brother uncles. I mean, you know, that's that uh, uncle daddies. You know, that's cool. I mean, that, that, that's cool. And, you know, apparently, and, and I'm, you know, I, I, I've always said it, you know, it's, it's, it's back breeding when it works, it's inbreeding when it don't. And some of my favorite horses I've ever owned were inbred as hell. But it does, it's one thing when you purposely do it and you end up with a good result because yeah. you take the best traits. That's another thing when literal dads and daughters are making foals. Yeah. And they barely and then, make it to a year old. And then those daughters are having their grandpa daddies. Oh, yeah. And then their There's brothers. One. Yeah. And then their then their full brother is mounting their offspring yeah there is one lady who tried to get me fired and she ended up uh sending messages to my facebook friends saying that the, i was just this awful human being and like spreading lies about me and stuff like that just literally pulling whatever she could out of thin air to make her sound believable yeah. Because she had said that her mare was bred in holding. And I said, it's um, like maybe 0.001% yeah. chance that your mare would have been bred in holding. She would have been bred outside. Yeah. Can I go ahead and say what the, what the BLM says when you adopt a mare? Consider every mare you adopt as being bred on yeah. range. Exactly. And... She said that that was impossible because she wasn't even two yet and she was still with her sire. And I said, well, Mustangs inbreed. Mm -hmm. And she told me that Mustangs do not inbreed. And I said, humans don't even have that instinct. You cannot yeah. tell me that Mustangs, specifically Mustangs, not even in, you know, not even domestic, you know. As a guy that grew up in Northeast Alabama, I better not say that. <laughs> and she yeah i i was very polite when i told her that too like i wasn't being snarky or rude i just said you know as someone who works for the blm who's a previous vet tech who has lots of experience training and working for breeding programs i can tell you for a fact that horses do injury yeah horses don't care you. they're like they're like i mean we, uh it is usually non-horse folks. They kind of put the horse on this pedestal. And it kind yeah. of irks me because though um, I'm a horse guy. I love horses. I can't imagine my life without horses. And I can't imagine a life without without Mustangs on open range. I mean, you know, yeah. it, it, it is what it is. But I also know that they are dumb livestock. Yeah. That's literally all they are. They're dumb livestock. Yep. And horses joke all the time that if a horse can find a way to kill or injure itself it will it will and if it <laughs> finds a way to put its junk through the fence to something else that will receive it it'll do it it doesn't matter if it's a daughter its own mom yeah it doesn't they don't care they don't know they don't i mean people don't 
people generally believe that Mustangs do not inbreed. And in, in my mind, I'm like, how how do you believe that? Like, honestly, how do you no, think because they, line breeding happens? Yeah, well, because they happens. haven't been genetically programmed through. And, and this is, comes back to the history of some of these herds is they have not been genetically programmed yet to kick sons and daughters out yeah. to go form their own herds. Yeah. I mean, you know, deer do that. And then yeah. they'll fight for the right to breed with other does. That yeah. happens. That happens in the Mustang, but it's usually it's son and dad fighting to breed yeah. mom. Yeah. You know, that's why you got bachelor bands is because, you know, dad wins. Dad but wins. That doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, mom didn't get bred by son by the time no. he left. Because, you know, dad, dad does fall asleep standing up sometimes because he is a horse. Yeah. You know, and, and the mares were, you know, what a lot of people don't understand is if you have a herd of horses, anybody owns more than three or four horses will usually know this is that if you ever notice it, if you go through at night, that all your horses will be asleep at the same time. There'll always be a couple awake. And right. that is something that's left over from the wild and it, they're, they're standing guard. Well, we, you know, when, when dad is asleep, the patriarch is asleep, son's drilling mom. Yeah. And the outcome of that, I hate to tell you, it's not very healthy. I got some pictures I'll send you of the outcome of that. I'm, I don't, I don't, I don't even, I mean, you can send them. I'll, I'll look. I mean, but my, my, you know, like my mind is telling me no kind of thing. Like, I don't want to see it. You know what I mean? Because, yeah. you know, we have this, you know, it's an iconic horse. Yeah. They're amazing. It is something that never should have happened, but it happened. Right. They should have all died. The, you know, yeah. the, the, the roots of the Mustang should have never taken place. Right. What helped further them were indigenous tribes selective breeding and then losing horses ranchers losing yeah. horses though they receded by spanish stock the majority of those horses no longer retain that yeah and, and and it's hard to let people you know grasp because they're like well they've you know you know 300 years 200 years of natural selection no no they haven't some of these are as recent as the 40s and 50s yeah. You know, I mean, I can tell you right now that, you know, Palomino Butte, South Steens, and Beatty's Butte here in Oregon, it could be as recent as last year when we gathered the Appaloosa influence. Yeah. Well, that's just like a lot of people that were wanting to gather up some horses uh, on an island in um, Alaska. They were a ranch that went out of business in the 80s. Their horses, they were turned out feral. They're gorgeous, by the way. Yeah. And uh, that's because they still retain the majority of just being well-bred ranch stock. Right. Um, they're pretty inbred at this point. Um, Why but, do you guys think that, you know, Oregon people travel from Alaska and Florida specifically to adopt Oregon Mustangs? Because the, there's mean, a lot of extremely recent within the last five years ranch stock. Oh yeah, do you, have you ever noticed that the the most heavily 
managed HMAs are the most desirable? Yeah. Isn't that funny? You know, the ones that we specifically choose horses to return back to range, that we look at their confirmation and temperament and attitude, color. <laughs> yeah. <ones> we <laughs> well, it's like uh, the BLM just posted a, uh, and it was awesome. They posted some great pictures. Oh, I don't know who their photographer was, but it was amazing. They just turned out a bunch of mules. And uh, a bunch of people didn't like the idea that the BLM, the same folks that are anti-gather, didn't like the idea that the BLM were turning out a bunch of mules. But none of them had enough sense to know that mules are sterile. Yeah. Are, are mostly sterile. It's literally a one in a million chance that a mule and a yeah. mule will make a baby. Um, and they couldn't wrap their head around that, even though it is rare, that wild burrows and horses do mate. And mules are made. And I think they turned out like 15 mules or something like that. And these people were pissy that they turned out 15 mules on range. Well, they're unadoptable for one because they're older. And I'm going to break this down for you. Somebody owns a mule. You don't want to work with an older mule. You think an older horse is bad? Imagine a feral ranged mule that's like 10 years old. Hard pass, my guy. There's a reason why there's the sanctuary in Texas for specifically for mules has a lot of quote unquote mule stangs there. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I don't want no part of a mule sting. I got at the adoption event last weekend that we were at the My Way Mustang Madness. I had a lot of people asking me about Mustang mules. Like, you know, they're like, what are they like? And I'm like, well, they're pretty rare in Oregon because we only have one HMA with burrows here. But there's a reason why the last gather for Warm Springs, when we did get those mules, those, you know, Mustang mules, that they all ended up at the Texas sanctuary. (laughs) But now here's something about mules that a lot of people don't understand. What people want to call family units, these mules will gather. Yeah. Because they can win those fights. Yeah. You know what the great thing about those mules is? They're gathering up mares and they're keeping stallions from breeding them. Yeah. Because guess what? The mule can do it all day long and nothing's going to happen. Right. But like I said, it's the best thing in the world. If you replace 90% of the stallions with mules on the range and those quote family units, you'd be doing the Mustang a favor. But like I said earlier, you know, you don't have gathers, you don't have donations with, you know, effective fertility control like that. Mm-hmm. That to me, that's probably better fertility control than anything. Oh, yeah. Re- replace patriarchs with mules. Yeah. Damn, that's a hell of an idea. We might have just fixed the problem right there. No, I'm, ser- I'm dead ass serious. I'm going to talk to my boss tomorrow about it. <laughs> start getting these start getting these old stallions off the range. Yeah. And replacing them with the biggest John mule you can find. Yeah. Damn it. We just solved. That's I mean, it. it's amazing we couldn't have solved world hunger, but we fixed the Mustang problem. <laughs> I'm, I mean, and, and people are probably laughing out there, but seriously, think about that. A John mule doesn't know he doesn't work. Yeah. Mayors don't know he doesn't work. Yeah. He will bring them mayors in heat and he will fight for his mayors just like any big stallion would. 
And guess right. what? The mule is stronger and he is right. smarter and he will win that fight. And he can't do a thing for the mules. He can try all day. He can practice till the end of time, but there won't be a foal hit the ground. And if there does, the BLM can auction it off for a million dollars. To a sanctuary. To Yeah, it's a sanctuary. <laughs> get it. Somebody out there is like running a Mustang sanctuary. They're seething right now. Oh, they can get over it. <laughs> I don't really care. I don't either. <clears throat> I'm so, known for being blatant and honest and, you know. <laughs> no, nah, you know, it was about time I had one of these episodes where I just, you know, let the old perpetual hair down. Yeah. You know, and just said, I mean, I, try, you know, I try not to sugarcoat too much. And I know you don't either. But we do have, you know, we do have a lot of folks that, A, one, look up to us. Yeah. And we have a large followings that we, you know, we don't want to lose. Yeah. And, but I'm almost to the point that anybody who is supporting this photographer or this, this person that's holding this rally, if you follow me, I'm the wrong type of guy to follow. Yeah. Um, because I, I live in reality and the reality is, is smaller numbers are good. Exactly. Because guess what? Seeding Mustangs isn't hard. Turn a couple of quarter horses loose, mixed in with some thoroughbreds, and you got the same shit. Yeah. I mean, it's not not hard. I get angry. I'm sorry. Well, I do too. I do too. There's yeah. a reason why I have access to my mom's Facebook account. <laughs> Um, my parents don't have Facebook. I'm glad my dad doesn't. Holy crap. My dad got his first smartphone about a year ago. And he was so excited that he got news. He goes, you see this? Do you see this? And he doesn't click on the article. He just like looks at the headline. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, did you? I was like, what's the article say? I don't know. It just says this. I'm like, God, crap. man, boomers, man. Yeah. <laughs> Sarah, it's been a pleasure. Well, thank you so much for As having me. As always. And, and I enjoyed for, this. For those that are wondering why Jessamine Rice has been quiet, I got a text from her. She's like, I can barely keep my eyes open. She's, <laughs> she was she, looking kind of tired. She's been under the weather. So yeah. I'm, I'm happy she hung in there like a trooper as long as she did. So, I am and, too. and for those that sent me messages wondering what happened to Jessamine, she's been real busy with work and um, personal stuff. So Jessamine's still the co host of the show. But, uh, and, um, yeah, it, tell her thank you for being on. I really appreciated her input. I sure will. She, but she'll listen. She'll know her parents listen religiously. So, <laughs> but, um, I want to have a round table here in the future and I want yeah. you and I want, uh, Jessamine, I want Flo Sporgoner and I want the rest of the round table. And I also want to get, uh, another Mustang guy on here and that's Teddy Frankie. Oh, yeah. I would love that. So I had Teddy on last episode. I love Teddy. Teddy's an amazing guy. He's pretty cool. He's like the most modest person to talk oh, to. Is. To have accomplished everything. He's like, yeah, well, you know, it's not. Yeah. Like nothing's a big deal to him. And I'm like, dude. 
his videos are an inspiration to me. His videos yeah. and your videos are why I've stopped being so snarky with my video replies and stuff like that. I'm like, you know what? Maybe I, I should actually be just like educational, not just a snarky brat. <laughs> can, I, can I be honest? In my, I usually, have, when I do those videos, when I'm replying to something completely stupid. Oh, yeah. It's because I've had to record that video like nine times in a row because yeah. it started off good and then ended up snarky as hell. Yeah. I'm a I'm a horse person. I understand snark. I speak fluent snark. Yeah. I mean, so, but you know, I I try to tone it down because I'm like, okay, here's here's the deal. You you catch more flies with honey, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I hate to say it, but at this point for me, it, it's it's a business move. It is. You know, I mean, you know, but Teddy, Teddy takes it to a whole different level. Teddy just lives that life. And I don't, I don't yeah. understand it. Like I need to be heavily medicated to be Teddy. <laughs> like there's not enough Prozac in the world for me to be Teddy. Teddy's just like, well, <laughs> Teddy's like, well, you know, I kind of get what you're talking about, but let me explain it a little bit like this. So you get it. And I'm like, I would have blown the hell up. Yeah. I, yeah. And, I, and he's so yeah. eloquent. Like Teddy is so eloquent. Like, I'm just like, ah, like, like I did a video on something and then he added on to it. And I'm like, I'm just going to start just tagging Teddy Frankie. Like, yeah, I'm not going to answer this. Just Teddy Frankie, you do a video. Yeah, that's yeah. I'm just like, you know what? If I post a video reply, it's going to be bad. Like when uh, he did that video reply to that one girl about spade bits. And she was talking about like the grimace of horses faces. And, like, oh my God. And like, I got I, I got cancer from reading that. <laughs> and I like, I had all these, like a video lined up and everything like that. And it was, I wouldn't say it was super snarky, but you can definitely tell that there was some aggression. You, yeah. You could tell that it was uh Teddy had saw, at all. Teddy could take. Yeah. <laughs> and then I saw Teddy's video reply and I'm like, you know, what? I'm not even going to try because I'm, Teddy yeah. covered everything nope. that I could ever possibly imagine. I, you know, and, I had thought about it and then he laid it out. Like the way he laid it out was like giving a kid crayons and a coloring book and it was colored yeah. by numbers. And I was like, I can't compete. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I did. I, like, I thought I knew, but shit, I just learned something. <laughs> yeah. Every time I watch one of Teddy's spade bit videos, I'm like, Huh. Like, he, like, like he broke what? it. Yeah, he starts talking about framing the horse. And I'm like, shit, that makes total sense. <laughs> when TikTok updated and we were able to repost videos, like I've just been reposting Teddy's videos nonstop. I'm like, all right, people follow me for spade bit education, but here's Teddy instead. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, Teddy could seriously post a video of him eating a hot dog and I don't want a new way of eating a hot dog. Yeah. I mean, I just, just Teddy Frank, Teddy Frankie is like who I aspire to be. Yeah. You know, I think most people do. He's just a genuine person. Yeah. He's accomplished so much and he's just so humble about it. Like, oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Like I, I thought I knew Teddy until I had him on and he, I started, you know, I started going on the links that he shared, you know, to advertise yeah. his, his business. And I'm like all the different business ventures that Teddy is in. And I'm like, oh yeah. These are amazing. Yeah. Teddy should be a millionaire. He got to, he came and hung out with us for the pickup for Oregon teens for that Mustang challenge he's competing in. Yeah. And like, I felt so bad because like I was busy working and I just wanted to sit and talk to Teddy all day long. Like that's all yeah. I wanted to do was sit and talk with Teddy. 
And I just felt so bad because like we had the halter horses, we had the load horses and like I get to talk to him for a couple minutes at a time and stuff like that. And I'm just, yeah. like, I wish I could just sit here and talk with Teddy all day. Like, you know, and, and the, yeah, that's me. Like I want to sit down and have a beer and pick Teddy's brain. Yeah. On the other side of the token though, I really want to sit down and have a beer and shoot the shit with JD Mule Skinner. Oh yeah. And AJ. <laughs> You yeah, know, AJ, uh, what's it, California, Iowa. Uh, what's his name? You know what I'm talking about, AJ? Yes, I know. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. AJ Perry? Yeah. So, yeah. like, so like those two are, like, my speed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I seriously think, though, me and AJ have the same sunglass collection. <laughs> <laughs> but, Sarah, it has been a real pleasure always having you on. I need to have you on more often. Yeah. Um, I would love it. I love these. These are great. Uh, I just love that. Especially since I'm horrible at podcasts. It's been like two months since I've done my own. I have like 20 in my drafts, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love having you on because you are always a wealth of knowledge. And not only that, but I consider you a, a dear and close friend these days. Of and, um, you know, we share a lot of the same sentiment. So with that said, I hope you guys enjoyed that. We ran a little bit long, but you know we don't care. I'm just gonna leave it in its entirety. I don't have you know this is amazing because I don't have an entire episode where I don't have to edit anything out, <laughs> so. except maybe the pugs barking and us trying to kill them. With oh the no, no no, I'm leaving that in. That just adds to it. <laughs> that just adds to it. So, but on behalf of me and Miss Sarah the Rare Buckaroo, who you can find on TikTok as the Rare Buckaroo, you got anything else you want to plug? If I did, we'd go on another two hours. So. Okay, well then let's not do that. <laughs> so, but we will catch you guys next time.